Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Cody. That's C-O-D-Y. My name is Emily. You don't need to spell it. And we are here with another episode of Misery Manor. And before we get started, leave your manners at the fucking door! <laughs> Hey everybody! You already know, but you're back. Well, and, we're back. Well, we're back, and you're back, and we're all all back. <laughs> Woo! Okay, I don't know what's in that Topo Chico, but honey, it's making me feel the spirit. The well, Lord. it's the French version. It's Perrier. Perrier line. It was good. Um. Oh hi. So first things first. Um. Just wanted to say. Um. So for Patreons, the link is in our Instagram. Some people have been asking. It's in our Instagram, in the bio. And we, me and Emily, have a game plan. We are going to start doing some exclusive episodes just for Patreons. Now, whether that be, I mean, the popular episodes or the haunting ones. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they're all popular. Don't get me wrong. But those, <laughs> like, really, people really enjoy them. So... We have a bunch of stories. We only pick out a few. So we're thinking that maybe, like, we'll do a part two and put those into Patreon, um, as well as just some, like, stories that we've come across. Like, Emily had mentioned some today that she wants to put on um, specifically to Patreon. So those are just going to be on our Patreon. But good news for you is, in order to be a Patreon, you just have to donate some sort of money. It could be, what is the lowest? I mean, you can do custom, like, Yeah, $1. you can do, like, $1. Lemming Lobby is $5. Yeah, so you can do, like, $1, $2, $3, whatever you want. $40. Yeah, 40 whatever your heart tells you to do. We need a sugar daddy. Yeah, so <laughs> get them cards. Go up to your boyfriend and be like, baby, I need to see that card for something. I need to see something. <laughs> and just type it in. And um, you pick your pick your um price and then we'll send you pictures of our feet yeah we're gonna send you pic not the feet we're gonna send picture oh god you got me talking twisted we'll send you a card with our picture on it stickers stickers um are like uh what's that called the sticker what's like our logo 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 yeah We'll send you some logo stuff. And then also, if you are, I'm, we're trying to figure out if we want to do 15 or $20 for the t-shirts. But regardless, if you're one of those two tiers, you get the t-shirt for free because you're already yeah. paying for it. So if you want to do that now, um, you'll get the t-shirt. And speaking of t-shirt, we are getting the design back this week of what it looks like. So we'll post it for you all to see. Um and if you want one, we would be so happy. You don't have to be a Patreon to get one. We'll have a website that you can go and click on and um, purchase one. But it's going to be, like, vintage. It's going to be really freaking cool. Um, I can't wait for you to see it. Well, I, I can't haven't wait to see it, it. But I can't wait to see it either. But If you're a Patreon, you can see the um, photos I have. Oh, to my send God. <laughs> Emily's in a moo-moo, and her mom had to take photos of her doing a certain pose that I needed. We will be uploading those <laughs> as well. So, yes, it is definitely worth your money. She has a moo-moo on, and I, you can see her granny panties, <laughs> all of that good stuff. Um, that's a good idea. Good job. Um, yeah. 
so yeah update on t-shirt please be a patreon you can do whatever you want we'll send you cool stuff randomly cool stuff patreon's even sending you stuff randomly yeah, that we didn't we know about weren't aware of that so yeah it's cool and we thank you so much for it but now let's get into why you are here to cody hear stole another one of my episodes i wanted to do well honey you you're jump. actually doing the work so. <laughs> you gotta jump on it <laughs> um so okay a lot of so last week i did junko furuto which was horrible and sadly but not sadly i'm doing another case that honestly reminds me just like mm. it does it involve the yakuza it actually does but the chinese version of it can we before you start remember when you thought the yakuza was attacking you <laughs> Last week. Oh my god, y'all. I'm so sorry. This is a story that needs to be told. After we did, after I recorded the Jun, we recorded the Junko episode. We recorded at my apartment. Right when Emily left, I got into the bathtub. You know, because that's what I usually do. I'll get into the bathtub after we record and I'll find the pictures that I upload to Instagram. Well, I'm laying in the bath and the cats come running in there and they look scared, shitless. So I like turn down my music and I turn off the, um, the water and I hear banging on my window and my door and I'm like oh my god the Yakuza has heard that I had blasted them and called them horrible names on here I didn't really think that but I was like what could that freaking be and it kept happening over and over and over again so then I go to the door and I'm butt ass naked I have a towel wrapped around me and I almost slipped and fell and I look through my peephole and there's nobody there and I'm like oh they are setting me up. So I open it and I'm like, yes. <laughs> and Emily comes around the corner. She's like, bitch, I left my fucking phone. I'm like, oh my God. My heart was racing. racing. I felt terrible. And I think I'll, what got used when I went around to the window. Yes. Cause like, I, oh my God, there's, I thought there was multiple people. <laughs> I had to jump over bushes. I was going back and forth. It was horrible. So I was like, well, shit, here we go. So you're going to remember your phone this time. Well, actually, it was in my car the whole time. So let's move on. Oh, that's true. Okay, cool. So let's move on. Um, Yes, this case is definitely, definitely, definitely not. What's the word? It's just, it's it's a gnarly motherfucker. It's a whole trigger. It's a trigger. But not really. Some parts are, Uh some are not. Sorry. (laughs) I'm just saying the situation is horrible. Okay, I need to shut the fuck up. Okay, so before I'm going to get into the case now, okay? Okay. But before I do, there is a 14-year-old girl that is involved in this case, but her name has been hidden by the court system Mm -hmm. in Hong Kong. So just due to her age and the instances of this case, so throughout this case, I'm just going to refer to her as Jenny. Okay. Um, After the rabbit? No. Jenny. Yours is Jennifer. So we're going to call her Jenny. In the court system, so they called her um, Afong, A-H-F-O-N-G. That's just Mm -hmm. like a name that she used. But I'm just going to call her Jenny. Okay. Okay. So with that, let's go ahead and get into the most gruesome, one of the most gruesome cases we have covered yet. This is the Hello Kitty murder. Mm. So this this case takes place in Hong Kong. And believe it or not, this city has an incredibly low crime rate. Mm -hmm. When I first read that, I was like, what? No, because there's so many people there, you would think it would happen like crazy, but no, Hong Kong's murder rate is only about one per 100,000 people. Whoa. So, and just to put that into perspective, I'm just going to compare some, like, American cities. So, like, New York, with a population of 9 million, um, only has a murder rate of three people per 100,000. They're not even the top 50 of the U.S. 
so Los Angeles is at as about seven people per 100,000 mm -hmm. and topping the charts is St. Louis, Missouri at 69 murders out of <gasps> 100,000. That's intense. It went um, St. Louis, Missouri. I forgot the second one. And then it was New Orleans. Oh, that's not yeah. surprising. Where was Houston? Not in the top 50. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this all starts with a 14-year-old girl in May of 1999. So okay. Jenny walks into the Hong Kong police station and immediately tells police officers that she wants to file a statement. The police looked at her and figured that um, she was there to report some sort of like domestic abuse regarding her parents or something along those lines, um, but to their shock, they were completely wrong. She said to them, for the past several weeks, I've been haunted by a ghost and I feel like she will not leave me alone. Can you guys help me? And I don't know what to do. So Jenny's crying and these police officers are like, uh, what? This is a little bit strange. So they're like, okay, um, you know, keep talking, keep talking. And Jenny said, I see this woman who is a ghost and she's bound by all of these electrical wires all over her body. And I think that's the way that when she died, she she died that way and she was tortured to death. And she keeps telling me that. Um, mm -hmm. And now she's a ghost and she's haunting me and she's scaring me and she won't leave me alone. I see her everywhere and I don't know what to do. So the police had originally started to write down the statement. And then at some point they like stopped and threw their pen down and they were like, what the hell? They're like, this is the fucking craziest story I've ever heard. This girl's a loony. That's the official accent of Hong Kong. Right. Just, just so you guys know. <laughs> so the police were like, where in the hell are your little parents? Like, your little parents? Where in the hell are your parents, little girl? You need to stop watching TV. Mm -hmm. You need to stop listening to creepy stories, watching scary movies. They thought this girl had lost her mind. But then Jenny was like, no, 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 no. Please, I promise, I promise, I promise. Please come to my house. I can show you. She's haunting me, and I see her every single day. And they said the fear in her eye was very, like, okay, maybe she's telling the truth or maybe something else is going on there. So the police were like, okay, let's just go. Let's hear her out. She looks very upset and distressed. Maybe she's being abused at home and this is her way of telling us that's, mm. you know, you know, read between the lines, but let's just go. It could be a sign of neglect. So they pack all their stuff. They get in the car and they go to her residence. They enter the apartment and they start looking around um, for clues of, of domestic abuse and I keep saying apartment. She doesn't own... It's like Hong Kong, so a lot of families lived in those small apartments, okay. you know? So they're looking around for clues and signs of abuse or neglect. Mm -hmm. And they ask the little girl, okay, so let's go back to this woman. Why does this woman want to haunt you? What is the reason? How do you know her? Like, you know? Yeah. And she looked in the officers and she said, she's haunting me because I actually helped murder her. Uh, and uh. the police were like... Uh, what did you just say, little girl? And she said, yeah, I helped torture her a little bit before she died. I was actually the one who found her dead. So the police are in a total state of like, what the hell is going on here? And she was like, yeah, it happened a couple months ago. And I thought it was actually fun. Oh, okay. Um, and so I they're at her house now? Yeah. Okay. She was like, I thought it was actually kind of fun, but she ended up dying and now she's haunting me and I need to get rid of her. And I feel like the only way that I can get rid of her is if I confess. So the police are looking at each other. They're like, is this girl on drugs? What the fuck is actually happening here? Because mm -hmm. um, they were like, this seems so far-fetched. Um, so the police officers take this information, they excuse themselves, and they continue to search the apartment. 
and they see in one of the corners of the room, there's a giant Hello Kitty doll. And it's probably about three feet. In her room? In her room. In <laughs> her house. Are you choked up, bitch? A little bit. Okay, so, but this doll is not your regular Hello Kitty doll. So this doll was not only huge at like almost three feet, but it, and it had your typical Hello Kitty doll face, but it had the body of a mermaid. So, no, ma'am. So it was like a head and then a mermaid. So... Um, so the police keep looking at the doll, and they're like, well, that that's so out of place. And then they notice that the little girl kept nervously looking at the doll as well, back and forth. And she looked nervous, and she kept, every time she talked to them, she would go back to looking at the doll. So they're like, well, this is odd. And they're like, well, obviously this doll has something to do with something. We don't know what, but it has something to do with something. Does it smell? I don't fucking know. So the police take a knife, and they open the doll up and examine it. To see if anything had been hidden in it. Drugs, a diary, something, anything. But when they when they cut it open and they bust it open, bust it wide open, sorry. Out rolls the human head of yeah. a young woman. And it was decapitated, obviously, and missing its lower jaw. <gasps> okay, I did not know that part so of the So they sit Jenny down and they say, do you know who this woman is? Or what her name is. We need some, some sort of detail to what this is. Hang on. And Jenny says, I kind of know her, but I'm not really close with her. My boyfriend is very close with her. She worked at a no- local nightclub as a hostess. I know that she was around 23 years old, and her name is Fan Man Yi. Dun, dun. So, did you have a question? No, I'm just like trying to the, without the jaw. That's like yeah. So, but we're gonna get into that. So that was kind of a teaser. So now I'm gonna take you into uh, Fan Manyi's childhood, okay. just to give you perspective on her upbringing. Because a lot of people want to judge her because of her lifestyle, but I'm gonna give you background on why this she got into this world of drugs, and you'll see later. Okay. So Fan Manyi's childhood and upbringing, um, she was abandoned by her parents at a very young age, and they placed her inside of a, a girl's orphanage. Now, this orphanage was, you know, Hong Kong is a huge city. This orphanage was overrun by children, not kept well. It was like 30 kids per one, like, nanny or whatever. Oh, my God, like the mental asylums we covered. Right. So it was a horrible environment. She had no proper upbringing. She had no real friends. It was, like, battered. It was overrun. It was disgusting. It was just not a good place for her. Um, So when she was 16 years old, Fan decided to leave the orphanage and try to start a life of her own. However, at this point, Fan became immediately enraged with drugs. And her drug of choice was crystal meth. And the reason why she got into drugs was because she knew that she needed to make a living for herself. So she resulted into doing, like, petty crimes, um selling drugs when she could and also she was getting into sex work illegal sex work is there legal sex work <laughs> illegal yeah. sex work okay so when she was around 20 years old uh fan Manyi met a guy and she actually found a lot of happiness they ended up getting married very quickly and soon after she became pregnant at 16 no this is at 20 oh sorry so, yeah so at 20 she met this guy. i'm still stuck on the jaw thing it's okay <laughs> so at 20 years old she met this guy and they fell in love, got married, and then she became uh, pregnant. A lot of sources say that the baby might have been some of her clients. Okay. But it's not confirmed. Um, so um, she gives birth to a beautiful baby boy. And after giving birth, she was like, I cannot do drugs anymore. 
I have uh, a son to take care of. He needs me. I need to make a, a beautiful life for us. I can't do this. I need to turn my life around. You know, I need, need to be the best mother to this child. And is the husband in the picture still? So I'm going to get to him. So according to Fawn's friends, she became sober and she really started getting on the right track as a mother. However, to answer your question, the biggest issue was that her husband was a huge meth addict as well. And he would tell her daily that he had no plans of stopping anytime soon. Oh my God, did he have teeth? I don't fucking know again. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. So he was doing meth all around the kid with the kid. Well, not with the kid, but like in the yeah. same room. Um, all around Fawn, all day, every day. And it was extremely difficult for Fawn because she's still fighting those temptations oh on a daily God. basis. Um, there was also a lot of domestic violence that was coming from the house. He would be, nice as can be sober, and then when he would go on these binges, he would mentally abuse her, physically yeah. abuse her. And the Hong Kong police would constantly be coming to their house because the neighbors could hear them in, in the middle of the night, like him throwing plates against the window, or the, at her, and shattering and screaming and all that stuff so they were constantly at their house so one day fawn is like i can't do this anymore i can't have an abusive husband i can't have the drugs around me or my baby i gotta leave so she packs up her things she grabs her son and she left and then she divorced her husband quickly after that's a lot for a 20 year old i know so see she was searching high and low for a job to support her and her son so at 23 she was able to secure a waitressing job at a local nightclub now, a lot of reports say that it was a brothel, not a light nightclub, mm-hmm. but either so, way, a nightclub. However, she was worried because, you know, this would be the worst environment for her to be in because there's a lot of drugs going in there. There's a lot of alcohol, but she needed money. And this is the only job that came through. And she was like, you know what? My willpower. I mean, I can get through this. So she starts working and she meets this guy by the name of Chan Man, Chan, Chan Man Lok. I'm sorry if that is wrong, okay. but Chan Man Lok. So he's a 34-year-old drug dealer and a pimp. They felt like they had a lot in common, and they immediately hit it off. Which, this is a horrible duo. She's a sex worker. He's a pimp. She's a recovering addict. He's a drug dealer. No to the man. You better turn around. But That's she did That's I'm looking for. So now let's talk about, this part is really crazy. So let's talk about how creepy Chan is, okay? So Chan is... 34 years old, and he lives in the shopping district of Hong Kong in this beautiful, beautiful five-bedroom apartment. Gorgeous. Sounds to me like more like a townhome, but this has apartment. So, and he has all the space in the world to decorate it however you would like. You know, plants, gorgeous fixtures, and he has all this money. So, like, imagine how you would decorate this beautiful house, right? Gorgeous. But no, Chan decides to decorate it with a teenage girl's dreams. His entire apartment was covered in Hello Kitty. You're lying. I swear. So his sheets, his shower curtains, his silverware, his towels, his comforter, plates, napkins, wall art. There were dolls everywhere. Okay. He had rooms designated just with dolls. Hello Kitty dolls. So the whole thing was Sanrio. The whole... What is that? That's the Hello Kitty brand. Oh, yes. Except one room where he had his video games and his pornography stash. Oh, that would be my room. You know, if he's like, you know, there's too many kitties in here. I'm going to go watch some kitty. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) get get out. Yes. Okay. That was gross. So everything was covered in Hello Kitty. So I'm sure you're thinking, why does this grown man have like Hello Kitty so much? Which no hate to anybody to each their own. Like you can have. They had good gum. Yeah, you can like whatever you like. 
But the only reason he said he had this decor because he was a pimp to a lot of underage girls and oh. it would entice them to want to come over and, and like, make them feel comfortable and spend the night and they had dolls to play with. They could, you know, they thought it was cool. Did he do sex trafficking? Yeah, he pimped them out. So he, yeah, he had people that would come to the house. Yeah, sex trafficking pretty much. So they, did they do it like in their house? Mm-hmm. Oh. Or he would send them all, the girls off with different guys. So he would have guys come in day and night um, and pick out whatever girls that he wanted, that they wanted for the night and take them. But the girls would also spend the night with him because a lot of the girls were underage, yeah. ran runaways from mm-hmm. home, so they would spend the night there. Um, Who do you okay. think did the laundry in this situation? Not him. So, um, so he would cycle through all these girls living with him and they were all primarily around the age of 12 to 15 years old. So as you can see, the resume for this guy is just great. He's a drug dealer. He's a pimp and he's a damn pedophile. So remember the girl from the beginning that walked into the police station, Jenny? Mm -hmm. Well, that's his girlfriend. (gasps) Yep. Wait for, oh, we got a Kathy Ann Bates. Yeah. So he's 34 and she's 14 years old. So again, the friendship between Fan Man Yi and Chan is a match made in hell. So Fan is spending a lot more time now doing sex work other than the shifts at the nightclub. She's dabbling in drugs again, and she's spending a lot of her money to support her new addiction. She felt so lonely. These these guys were so nice. Um, so it was. Where's the baby? Back home. Okay. I'm not sure who took care of him, but I know he's back home. So okay. once again, the drugs are taking back over her life. So then something really, really, really bad happens. Fawn wakes up one morning and she realizes that she has spent all of her money on meth. And she was like, how am I going to pay for rent? How can I feed my child this week? How can I put put food on the table? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? So Fawn decided while she was hanging out with Chan and his two friends, Xing Cho and Wei Lun, that she was going to steal Chan's wallet when he wasn't looking. Okay, that sounds like a terrible idea. So just to preface, these two guys did the dirty work for Chan. So they were a part of the triad, which is equivalent to the Yakuza of Japan, the Mafia of Italy, the Cartel of Mexico, etc. Uh-huh. So very dangerous guys. So Fan decided he was going, she was going to steal Chan's wallet because she needed the money. So she takes the wallet, and when she opens the wallet, she notices that there's more than enough money to pay her bills. In fact, there's $4,000 <gasps> in it. So she immediately thinks to herself, so she takes it and runs. She, then she thinks to herself, what did I just do? She knew that Chan would react horribly if he found out. So Fan was like, I need to do something and I need to think of something quick. Before yeah, because he, he would know immediately it was oh, her. Oh, for sure. So Fan decided the quickest and easiest way for her to make sure the money would come back was for her to do some sex work. So she decided, okay, I stole $4,000. And so I'm going to return that money, but I'm also going to pay $10,000 interest on top of the $4,000. So I'm going to give him a total of $14,000. There's no way that he's going to be upset if I return that much money back to him. So Fun works hard the next couple of days and she collects $14,000 uh-uh. and shows up to Chan's doorstep. I'm scared, changing my LinkedIn. Scared shitless. He comes to the door and she immediately says, hey, look, I know you already know this, but I made a really bad mistake. I took your wallet and I know you're probably upset. I know you know it's me. I know we are friends and I feel absolutely horrible about this. 
So she was like, I not only want to return the money to you, but I also tacked on another $10,000 in interest. I've been working day and night to make this up for you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Nothing like this will ever happen again. I promise. So he looks at the money and looks back at her and says, hmm, thanks and all, but I don't think that's enough money. You betrayed our friendship and trust. Do you think that amount is good enough? He says, how about this? Bring me another $16,000 and I'll forgive you. And he gave her a deadline that she needed to meet. And it was like unrealistic. And Fan said, okay, um, I'll try my best. So she freaks out and she leaves and she immediately starts doing more sex work. That's the only way that she can get quick money. Right. But since she returned the money, she still had pays to bill, like (laughs) bills to pay for her. And she needed to put food on the table for her and her child. She was like, there is no way that I can do this. There's absolutely no way. So she worked day and night up until the deadline that Chan gave her. But she was not able to come through with the money. She fell short. So on the date of the deadline that Chan had set for Fan, he told Xing uh, Chao and Wei Lun, look, if Fan, if Fan doesn't come through with the money today, I need you to show up to her work, kidnap her, and bring her to me immediately. So the two friends asked him, you know, what's the plan going to be when we get her? And he said, well, Fan's a prostitute, and I'm going to pimp her out and make my money back. Um, he said, if she can't do it herself, I'll do it for her. Easy as that. So they were like, okay. So, Ch- uh, Changman, Ch- I'm sorry, these names, I Chan know. and Fan, Fan are, so they had ample opportunities to escape. So okay. wait, I'm sorry. So Chan knew that Fan had ample opportunities to escape. So he said within 24 hours, she could have fled to the United Kingdom or disappeared deep into the Chinese, like mainland area. Um, so he's like, we need to like get her and get right. her quickly, or she's gonna run away and we'll never see her. So unfortunately, Fawn was name one like I said, unable to come up with the money. So the guys kidnapped her, show up to her work, and they bring her back to Chan's Hello Kitty home. Ew. So Fawn starts to plead and beg them. She's like, I'm so sorry. Please just give me one more week. I can make this work. You know, I'm I'm bringing in good money. I'm just I'm overwhelmed right now. Please just give me a little bit longer and I can do it. Just I need an extra week. And the guys were like. No, 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 no. We're just going to pimp you out to some clients that we know, and we're going to make the money back, and then we'll send you on your way. Easy as that. So Fawn started freaking out, and she was worried, like, about her son, her bills, etc. And the guys were like, hey, don't worry, babe. Relax. Stop <laughs> freaking out. Let's just sit here and take a hit of meth. It'll make you feel better, and you'll feel relaxed. So the group of four get high as hell. The guys didn't. Um, the guys didn't really want to sell her out anymore, though. After they got high, they looked at each other and they were like, "You know what would be fun?" Oh no! I'm not sure if this is the math talking, but let's just start beating the shit out of her. That would be funny. We need some entertainment around here. They're saying this in front of her. Yeah. So the three guys make fun, stand up, and they all take turns punching her, pushing her, and kicking her all over. She was severely beaten. And the guys came to for a second and were like, holy shit. She's black and blue. She's bloody. We can't sell her anymore. She looks horrible. No one's going to want to buy her. No one's going to be turned on by this anymore. So the guys were like, hmm, if we can't sell her, we'll just keep her here and torture her for payback. So from this day, Fan Mani was subjected to an unimaginable torture 
in situations for the next month, 30 days. Oh my God. So the guys started off by beating her and they would just, they would get crazy with it. Like they would get bamboo sticks, they would get metal rods, they would get anything, household items, and just start beating her with it. Um, when that wasn't good enough for them, they would get straws, like think like the boba tea straws, like the mm-hmm. thick ones, um, and they would get a lighter and start melting those onto her skin, and then it would blister because the plastic would melt onto her. It would blister, huge blisters, and then after that cooled down, they would rip the plastic <gasps> off of her, go to the kitchen and get chili powder and rub it into her wounds, um, obviously causing a burning pain and then after that she was crying and if she cried they would put the chili powder into her eyes and she wouldn't be able to see for like hours who comes up with this i know so they would also drag her into the kitchen and they would play they would turn the stove on to full heat and place her palms um and her hands on in the soles of her feet onto the oven and burn them onto a gas stove um, so she could not grip or walk or do anything without agonizing pain. <laughs> so this still was not good enough. So they poured alcohol into her open wounds and they stuffed their fe- feces into the wounds, causing severe infection to where she couldn't walk. Hang on. Yeah. They were shoving feces into her wounds. Okay. So while suffering from these wounds... They also proceeded to break all of her fingers and her bones in her hands with a bat and a hammer so that she really couldn't grip onto anything and fight back because she was trying to, like, you know, defend herself. Um, they would tie her wrists together with electrical wire and hang her from the ceiling and beat her with whatever household item they could find. So, like, one instance, they even, like, took the legs off of a table and beat her with it. <laughs> They took, um, like I said, bamboo sticks, mops, um, br- uh, sh- um, a lamp. They threw it. They were just throwing everything at her. Just and wha- it's just these three guys. Just they're these not, three guys. They're not bringing in other people. No. Okay. So I'm glad you brought that up, though. So they would bring guys in, though, to have sex with her. Um, and they would rape her as well. So during all of these beatings, she was getting raped in between as well. So here's when the 14-year-old girl comes into the picture, Jenny. Because remember, she's dating the 34-year-old guy. So Chan would groom Jenny and mentally manipulate her. And he was also, she was also one of his sex workers as well. So okay. they were dating, but he would also pimp her out. But she would start to take part in the beatings as well, almost daily. Um, in court, she actually testified and she said basically one day she walked in and Chan was kicking uh, Fawn in the head repeatedly like a soccer ball over and over again. She said it happened like at least 50 times. What? And Jenny said she saw this and she went over to Fawn and just started smacking her in the face and the head with her with her hand, like punching her over and over again. And the police said, why did you th- do this to her? And she said, um, and her answer was super fucking chilling. She stared at the police and like paused for a minute and she goes, well, I had a feeling it was for fun. That's what I was told. So these guys had groomed her to think that this is what was supposed to be happening. Um, Horrible. So they began to torture Fawn emotionally as well. So they forced her to smile through every single one of the beatings. She had to have a huge smile on her face and they would punch her teeth out as well. And oftentimes she would choke on her own teeth and her own blood. Um, After every beating, she had to basically give them a monologue of how much she loved being punished 
and how it wasn't good enough. And then they, she would have to ask them again, can you please continue to do this? And then they'd be like, yeah, of course, and keep doing it. And she had to do that every single time. Um, and she also had to tell them every single night how grateful she was for being kidnapped and giving the opportunity to be absolved for her sin that she did for stealing the money. So they said any refusal or lack of enthusiasm in the execution of these speeches would just result in her getting beat even more severely. And at this point, the beatings are so harsh that she's falling in and out of consciousness as well. Right. So the men also loved to humiliate Fawn. So they would urinate in her mouth, all three of them, and they told her if she were to spill one single drip that they would continue with the beatings over and over again. She had to swallow every single one of it. And then... Jenny comes back into the place again. They would have Jenny poop in a box and they would spoon feed it to Fawn and she had to eat all of her poop. So Jenny was no longer using the restroom and the toilet. She was doing it in a box and they would feed it to Fawn. <laughs> Which is so nasty. Oh my God. Oh, horrible. So they also made Fawn drink motor oil, which would make her hallucinate. And then... They would take turns beating the crap out of someone who's just, like, incoherent and crazy. But once the guys had enough, they would leave Fawn on the group, on the floor, you know, bleeding and crying. And then they would just go play video games when they had enough. Um, they would continue to do these things for the next 30 days over and over again. Um, horrible. And, like, these are the only instances that I was able to find online but like I can imagine that there's probably a lot lot more things that happened but this is just what I was able to find so one night when the guys come home from the nightclub they noticed that little Jenny was fast asleep so they tried not to disturb her but it woke her up and she immediately wakes up gets out of bed and she goes over to Fawn and she realizes that Fawn is cold to the touch and she's not moving so Jenny started screaming, oh my God, Chan Chan, come here quickly. Something's wrong with Fawn. She's cold. She's not moving. What is going on? So the guys rush over to Fawn and they're checking her out. And Jenny's like, oh my gosh, we need to take her to the hospital. She needs us. And he's like, come on, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Um, and so the two friends go up to Jenny and they basically say, oh, don't worry about it, sweetie. This is totally normal. Do you know what happened? Jenny's like, yes. And they say, she didn't die because of you. She didn't die because of any of us. She actu I actually saw her take a crazy amount of meth. So she just overdosed and died. Yep. So they're blaming... They're saying the reason why she died was because she, she Yeah, did. I understand. Yeah. I'm just... And I think the reason why it sounds weird that Jenny now is concerned is because I think her natural instinct is to be compassionate. But they had groomed her so much. Like, yeah. No, this is fun. She wants it. She likes it. You know? Yeah. Um, and I guess like, I mean, a lot of the things that like adult things she's being introduced to so young, she doesn't know. No, she has no clue. So Jenny believes them because she didn't have a reason not to. And the guys start strategizing on what they're going to do with the body. They're like, how do we get rid of her? How do we get rid of her? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Well, they had a huge scare because on the floor beneath them in the apartment, there was a ton of police investigating a rape charge. So the guys were nervous that the police would start walking the hallways and start wanting to go in to investigate or ask for some testimonies. How did they not hear it? Well, this was... Hear what? I mean, like, other people in the... Oh, I know. So, building. even though the rape charge had nothing to do with them, the fact that the police were there just scared them. 
So the guys come up with the idea to dispose of the body and to aid in the de- decomposition of the body. Okay. So this is frustrating because this will actually help the guys in trial. And I'm going to go over that later. Because no one knows how Fawn really died. Um, did she die from the torture? Did she die from a seizure? Did she die from a drug overdose? No one can say for certain. Because they couldn't do an autopsy. Exactly. So Chan tells the guys to quickly take Fawn's body and put her in the bathtub. And they start to dismember her with the saw that he handed over to them. So this took the guy, the three guys 10 hours to dismember her with a single saw. And they were cutting her up into very small pieces. Once that was done, they had other issues on their hands. The guys were like, listen, even though we dismembered her into tiny pieces, her rotting and decomposing flesh is going to draw major attention. They thought even if we carry her parts out one by one and throw them in the dumpster, people are going to start to smell this and they're going to, you know, it's going to cause a lot of concern. Mm -hmm. So they were like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Hmm. All of a sudden, the guys come up with a plan. They're like... All of her body parts are small enough. Let's just put them in these large stock pots, you know, like to make soup. Yes, I went to culinary school. <laughs> so they're like, we, why don't we just boil all of her body parts <laughs> to stop the decom- decomposition and block the smell, and then we can just trash the remains. What do they think that is going to smell like? I don't know. Just but it like worked. bone broth and stock smell terrible enough. Oh, I think it smells good. Ugh, I hated those days in class. So they started cooking the individual pieces of her body and everything else. Once the body part was boiled and good to go, they would stick it in a plastic bag and put it in the freezer to be thrown away later. So the guys... Okay, this is kind of weird. So the guys saved her heart, they saved her liver, they saved her kidneys and her lungs and some of her intestines. Now, a lot of sources say... Black market? That they wanted to sell them on the black market, but you cannot have a heart or kidney transplant from a frozen organ. I don't know. So there's, n- nobody knows why that they saved this. They also admitted to saving her teeth as a trophy. Well, so the there was she some, didn't swallow. So there was some teeth, exactly. There was some teeth in the refrigerator as well. poop on them. I don't know about that. So the guys would take frequent trips to the dumpster to dispose of Fawn's body, um, but that was the only time that the, the three would see, uh, see be seen leaving the apartment because they wanted to keep an eye out on everything and they were really nervous. They also were scared shitless to, like, have anybody over, like, order food for delivery. Um, So they would have to cook their own food in a pot right next to Fawn's cooking body. Um, So... How long was it cooking for? Days and days and days and days. Some of the body parts took forever to decompose. So they were eating basically right next to her decomposing body parts. So bon appetit, baby. So the guys have disposed as much as fun as they could. And in the freezer, they still had some of the organs and some of her teeth. But other than that, they had gotten rid of everything except her head. That Oh, so they removed her jaw to remove the teeth. Well, I'm going to get to that, too. So they decided to try and remove as much flesh flesh as possible from her head. So obviously they were like, the head is going to be a lot tougher to get rid of. Because if someone sees, like, hair with flesh in a garbage, like in a dumpster, yeah. or they see a skull, that's going to raise a lot of concern, right? <laughs> yeah, a little. So they were like, we can throw her head away. We can't throw her head away. We have to keep it here hidden. Um, so they begin to remove the flesh. A lot of people think that her, her um, jaw was missing. Because that's the only detachable part of the skull, right? So they just Uh want to make it as small as possible. Or other people think maybe she lost her jaw during 
you know, being I mean, punched. I'm sure it was crumbled from being kicked how many times? 50 times right. in the face. In one day, yeah. So they decided to boil her head as much as possible so that it wouldn't decompose, but they didn't want the smell to become an issue. So once they were satisfied with the decomposition stage, they grabbed a large mermaid Hello Kitty doll and decided to stuff her head in it. Chan demanded that Jenny then take the doll home with her so that she could have it to play with. And this is when the haunting, and she agreed, and this is when the haunting started to occur, Jenny said, from night one when she brought the doll home. Didn't you say something about electrical tape? Mm -hmm. When they would tie her up? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, you're saying from her. Yeah. Both. So when she was seeing the hauntings of Fawn, she looked, she was tied up and she looked the way that she was being tortured. So Jenny claimed in court that she would continuously hear and see Fawn throughout the day saying her name, Jenny, whatever her name was. I'm going to say Jenny. No, no, no. Jenny would hear. I know, but I think her name was like Afong or something. Well, that was her court name. But yeah, she would hear her um, say her name. She would hear her crying. She would hear her, like, when she was in the park walking, she could see, like, her ghost everywhere. She said it was haunting her. Um, she would see her at restaurants, everywhere. And a lot of people actually believed that she was being haunted by the ghost of Fawn. And then others thought it was a case of severe guilt. Both, maybe? So, Jenny told the police so that she felt like she would be haunted for the rest of her life if she just did not confess to what happened. So now we're going to get going back to the beginning of when the police found the Hello Kitty doll and opened it up. So when they opened it, they were like, what in the fork is this? And baby, I saw a photo of the Hello Kitty doll. She's disgusting looking. Like this Hello Kitty doll is just eerie. More like goodbye kitty. And she's terrifying looking. She's old. She's filthy. And I'll upload a photo of it. But on December of 2000, police immediately tracked down the three men and they were arrested. So you had Chan Man, who was 34, Xing Chao, who was 27, and Wei Lun, who was 23. So she gave up their names? Mm-hmm. She told them exactly who they were. She was scared. Well, I mean, I bet and she it's was gonna scared serve her a lot. Yeah, and they told her that, and I'm going to get into why she did it, but it was because they told her if she confessed that they would grant her immunity and they would protect her for the rest of her life. The court. So uh, yeah. let's so let's talk about the trial. So based off Jenny's testimony, she was offered immunity and protection. Her age and her situation is what made the judge give her this. They said if she was eighteen plus, it would not be the case. But since she was so young, she was a victim of you know sex trafficking. It's yeah. just not the cards were not in her favor for this. So you're gonna get so mad here. But when they were being tried for murder, the three guys that they. Um, said that they did not murder her they were like we did not murder her they kept saying it over and over again they were like listen we accept some charges maybe we did kidnap her we smacked her around yeah we prevented a a a lawful burial yeah so in hong kong this is they take this very seriously um but we didn't murder her we didn't and the entire legal defense argued that fawn was an addict they kept going over she's an addict she's an addict she's an addict she overdosed So the three men said that they were drug dealers for her and they were scared when she died and they didn't know what to do to her body. So that's why they decomposed it and got rid of it. And because they dismembered, decomposed and whatever else of the body, nobody was able to determine how Fawn really died. Nobody can find her body parts or anything, which worked in their defense. Her poor son. They even had a psychiatric report ran on the three guys and it came back that they showed no signs of remorse. 
They didn't feel any guilt. They didn't feel any shame. They didn't feel any sadness. They did not care at all. The jury deliberated and they believed that the death was not intentional. They believed that she was abused. They believed that she was kidnapped. They believed that she wouldn't have died if she wasn't with these people. But they didn't believe that the guys wanted her to die. Which, that's worse. So they didn't want her to die immediately, but they wanted to torture her. I'm sorry, but if you're locked up... That's exactly like last week. If you're locked up in a cellar and you're tortured and you're eating poo-poo and you're eating doo-doo and you're pit, (laughs) all that shit, that is horrible. So you would rather just not get it over with? You want to torture me? That's worse to me. Yeah. Well, not worse, but like... That's, mm, mm, no, ma'am. She wasn't in a cellar. But I'm just saying, in torture in general. So after a six weeks and four day trial, the three guys were convicted of manslaughter. And they were each given a life sentence, though. But they had the possibility of parole after 20 years, which means that would be in 2020. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I searched high and low to try to figure out where these men, but... And me and Emily helped me out. We think that the reason why I was not able to find much information on what happened in 2020 was because of COVID. I think that their parole was just backed up or saved to a later date or it just didn't happen because, you know, oftentimes when these people, if they misbehave in prison, they just keep backing it up. I couldn't find anything. I'm going to continue to look for it because I want to know and I'll post it if I do find something or if one of y'all are able Uh to find it, please let me know. Um, but I was not able to find it. So the judge, Peter Wynn, who sentenced the trio to life in prison without the possibility or with the possibility of parole said, never in Hong Kong in recent years has a court heard such a cruelty, callousness, brutality, violence, and viciousness as this case. That's awful. So going back to the hauntings though, that Jenny claimed to see. So after the case, after the guys went to prison, everything was done. So many people in Hong Kong were so intrigued by these hauntings of this in this uh, apartment complex that people were constantly going there to try to use different machines, different tactics to try to talk with Vaughn. They wanted answers. They wanted to talk to so people were bringing out Ouija boards. Um, what are those things? Those EMF EMF or... readers. They were bringing psychic, all sorts of people. They wanted answers. Um, And it got to the point where the apartment complex was losing tenants. One, nobody wanted to rent the the townhome that she was murdered in. Nobody wanted to live in any any apartment in the whole complex. So in 2012, it was completely demolished (gasps) to the ground and rebuilt again in 2016. Wow. Yeah. So I kind of liked this case because it was kind of like a true crimey, like horror spooky one. Um, but yeah, that's the case of the Hello Kitty murder. What happened to Jenny? Jenny? Well, so she's good. I mean, all, all she had to do is testify. She's fine. But it's damn near impossible to find any information on her because the oh, court has hit her for so much. And they were also worried that since there were ties to... Um, the triad is what they call uh-huh. it. That people would would be out would. Be oh out yeah, because they her. said they would protect her. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, "We'll protect you," and that was part of her thing. So I think actually I read somewhere that she actually they moved her her and her family into a house on like a government protected, because they were that worried for her. If I was her parent, okay, whatever. Um. So yeah, that's the case of the Hello Kitty 
murderer. And there's been two movies made after this, um, after this case. One of them is called, like, my... F- it's they have weird names like one of them is like because it's like direct translation or something no 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 it's like weird so one of them is like um my friend is the pork my friend in the pork chops or something like that like basically saying like her meat was cooked like yeah. a pork chop the other one I don't know they're weird names like I think the translation like you said is kind of did you and weird. Josh watch them hell no but um yeah that is the case. And I know that I've been in other countries the past two, uh, and I've done some gruesome ass shit the past two episodes, but next episode, I'm bringing it back home. Oh, I don't know what that means. (laughs) So it'll it'll be a good one, but yeah. Oh, and I did want to say, um, thank you so much for everybody that posted them. Did you see the girl that was like painting her house? Yes! I love that. Do we know her? Well, now we do. No, she messaged me and she was like, oh my God, I love the podcast. And she posted that. So that was so clever. So I know we mentioned in Emily's episode, if you post it, um, you listening to it um, on your story, we're writing down the names. And and so we have one more week to do that. And then we're going to draw somebody's name and either give them, they can pick if they want the Tumblr or just a free t-shirt. Okay. One of the two. Sounds good. But yeah. And a lot of you shared our post but didn't tag us but i can still see that so i still got your names too like you know if oh. you go to the thing <laughs> you know if you go to like the yeah and you say shared story or shared or whatever uh-huh. i can see that so i got your names down too all right guys well i'm gonna hang this one up and we're about to do our second story Yay. and it's a spooky one bitches so rate review subscribe Mm-hmm. bye